Hello, and welcome to episode 232 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Storm Smith, creator of The Heroic Few, coming soon to Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Storm, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast and joining us once again. Um, Let's do the normal thing where we start off with a a quick bio about yourself and an elevator pitch for this book coming to Kickstarter, and then we'll do the deep dive into making comics and all that good stuff. Well, I'm Storm Smith. I'm the uh, writer of The Heroic Few and several other comics and the publisher at Boonia Books, where we published... uh, this last year, Lost by Rob Cam and Warm Blood by Josh Tierney and a group of artists, uh, both available on Amazon. And uh, our latest project is a Kickstarter for The Heroic Few, uh, a uh, Jack Kirby-influenced uh, title where a group of uh, underpowered superheroes sort of replace the most powerful heroes in their universe and uh, have to hold their own against uh, an increasing level of villainy and destruction and uh and uh see where they come out on the other side yeah so it's an awesome book having read having read what you did with matt and then what you've done with brandon so far it's a it's a fun read like that's like that's the best you could say about it because it is like 100 percent fun across the board and uh it's it's it, 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 like and that's on every level art story script everything is just a blast about this book well a lot of that's due to matt lesnowski's character designs who did the first 12 page mini comic with the the wonderful cover he did with the the crap the uh crumbling logo and uh uh matt just did a, a wonderful job and, and really filled out the characters and brandon took over and brandon's just great with superheroes brandon Hendricks out of greenville south carolina and uh he uh he just uh he loves superheroes he's like uh the three of us he's read all the you know latest comics and uh and uh he's a big fan of uh Busima and friends and you can feel that in the work uh that old school comic book vibe which we uh we grew up with and, and it's always there and everything i think but uh this is sort of a, a throwback to jack kirby's uh simply the tales to astonish uh cover number 58 where uh, iron man's punching cap shield that was the main influence in it and uh something lee nordling told me years ago uh a wonderful editor said if you want to write superheroes then write superheroes and uh something michelle fafay told me uh one time after uh heroes con like you know you got to write what you want to write and that's where uh i said you know it might be time to do a superhero comic instead of some of this other stuff yeah that's interesting to think about because like uh, we've, we've we've definitely had a a build-up in like people we've interviewed who are doing superhero comics but like when matt and i first started out this podcast a lot of the indie creators we had on would do other genres not that that's bad but, you know, like they would do the horror or the sci-fi or, or, or a historical thing or a, a, a mix of all the different stuff. And I remember just sort of like reflecting being like, wow, it's like it's kind of few. It's the superhero stuff is few and far between. And um, and again, like I think that just sort of shows that comics are for everyone. But at the same time, like it, there is sort of like a I guess and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I guess maybe there's an apprehension because people feel like all the superhero stories have been told, right? Or there are just no new ideas about superheroes or something like that. 
Well, I don't think, you know, superhero stories to me are, are just basically a, a, a big mishmash of science fiction, action, adventure, drama, comedy. You know, it's a, it's a genre where you can do any damn thing you want. And uh, that's why it's sort of a, can get bad real fast. But when it's done right, well, you can do anything in it. It's got so many genres in it. As you guys know, you, you've read a lot of the the modern stuff. Uh, Tom King can do a, a good thread with the new Rorschach or the, uh, or the new uh, Strange Adventures where it, it very much almost like uh, something from a modern novel. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the themes and plots. And uh, then you've got people doing superhero stories like Aubrey Sitterson that are, that are, uh, you know, very much uh, pushing a, a, a political point and uh, doing it in a fun way. And I think that's all based on the original roots, sort of the superhero comic created by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, and all those guys is that, hey, you know, we throw well Henry in here. You know, you got the nice little twist of Peter Parker, you know, and and uh, we threw a little Shakespeare in it. And uh, it, it was a little mishmash of everything even back then. And uh, who knows where Kirby got all his ideas, but definitely mythology and uh, modern science fiction. So uh, as we, as you said, if you say it's limited, I would say superhero genre is probably the one that'll run out of, out of stories last, uh, among all of the sort of popular ones now. Even awesome. I don't think storytelling's limited because new craziness happens in the world every day to open up mm -hmm. you know, law and order ripped from the headlines. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you talk to these, these few creators and you mentioned them earlier that are saying, Hey, if you want to do a superhero story, you know, that's, you know, what you're passionate about. Let, let's, let's go ahead and dive into that. So you sort of get that sort of, uh, you know, bug and you, you know, you want to do a superhero comic. At what point do you sort of come up with the idea of the sort of the, the underpowered heroes, you know, taking over for the, the, the more, you know, powerful um, heroes. At what point do you sort of develop that into the story? Well, uh, that was pretty easy. The original story was a middle story, sort of uh, what I'd almost call an eighties, nineties type of story. Me and Brandon were working on and uh, Brandon ended up working on something else at the time. And uh, uh, it was sort of a little, and it had American agent in it and uh and some of those characters. And I said, well, I want to do something a little bit uh, further back, uh, sort of do three generations. And uh, the idea that came to me is like, sort of like Fafe did with Suicide Squad. And uh, a lot of people do, if you've got an idea, and I know Matt comes up with the ideas for characters uh, a good bit. And uh, you end up saying, hey, I'd like to use this, uh, idea for this character and and go here and one of my favorites of all time was what they called uh stanley and jack uh, about issue 12 or 13 all the heroes quit event the avengers and it's called caps uh crazy quartet or kooky quartet uh whatever <laughs> people want to call it and it was just uh quicksilver hawkeye uh scarlet witch and cap after having hulk and iron man and uh giant man and wasp and uh and of course caps the only guy left and i sort of always thought that was a i think they only got maybe 12 issues in the whole continuity of the thing you know uh 
maybe a few more later on, but you know, I always thought that was the best dynamic in the Avengers ever when I was reading it as a kid. And I just thought, why not play more with that idea? So do you like the, the, not necessarily the flawed superhero, but like uh, sort of the, the superhero with, with limits, you know, a lot of times sort of, and I, I don't necessarily know this is true, but you hear a lot of times that people will be like, Superman's way too powerful. Like he's, you know, he's the big blue boy scout. He's got all these powers. He does everything right. But, you know, you think of somebody who, who has limitations, like a Peter Parker, who, you know, sort of has that Parker lock and he's, you know, trying to make red and he's got all of these things, even though he's got the proportional strength of a spider. Do you, do you, do, do the, the superheroes with limits sort of speak to you? You know, I, in the heroic few, they're sort of a little bit more limited, but uh, I love them all because I was sort of raised that way. When I was four or five years old, you know, I didn't really differentiate between Superman and Spider-Man. And I had an issue of shade, the changing man and the demon when I was like four or five. And I didn't understand them till I was probably nine or 10 or maybe 14 or maybe 31. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I had shade number two or three and God that as a kid, I just paged through it and I didn't know what the hell any of it, you know, Ditka was doing with it, but it was one of my favorite comics. <laughs> I mean, wow. sort of like Kirby's demon. And, and so you didn't ever think about limitations. You just thought of what the hell is going on here and why is it so cool? And yeah. uh, as you sort of uh -huh. get older you figure out and read the stories and, uh, but Superman to me it, it is exactly what he was created to be. I mean, limits are only what the writer wants to create i mean there's so many straczynski did the walking storyline where he just walks and uh, a lot of people didn't like that storyline i thought it was great maybe they didn't like his execution but i thought well, at least that shows you can go you can play it low you can play it high with superman and well peter parker's just really sadly in so many ways i hate to tell all the other superheroes is sort of the perfect alter ego uh, when you do Peter right. I mean, you can't do any better than Peter because he's every every person that's ever been. And uh, uh, guy, girl, you know, I mean, everybody's experience can sort of be reflected through Peter Parker in the fact that he is uh, unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blessed, but unlucky. And, uh, and Stan knew that and Stan knew what he was doing. And with the heroic few sort of like uh, playing a little bit more with those characters and, uh, in a way they didn't get to get played with in, in that time, uh, and, uh, sort of molding them to my own fashion and, and trying to put a little bit more of my spin and my drama, uh, that I enjoy, which is more of what Alan Moore and Grant Morrison and them did. And, but you got to build the stuff like that a little slower. And uh, it's just uh, the heroic few is like a good first chapter for a, a superhero universe. So um, uh, well, when you and uh, like Brandon started like brainstorming and then you said, yeah, Brandon went off and did another book. Um, did you have like, you had like all the characters mapped out of, of who you wanted to be on this team or was that, I, you mentioned some stuff about Matt maybe having some ideas about the characters and bringing some ideas over it. So did, how much of it was formed by you and then how much of it was formed by Matt and Brandon? I, I guess I was just yeah, w wondering about that. Well, Brandon and me were working on another story. And I think the only character that was a holdover was uh, 
American agent and the staff. And I don't even know if Brandon ever got around to drawing it, but uh, it, the idea is so basic and simple that uh, the second, what would have been the first story, I guess, uh, ended up dying and uh, ran into Matt and uh, said, hey, you want to do a superhero book? He hadn't been doing anything sort of superhero related and uh, uh, got him to do 12 pages. It turned out great and did about, you know, 10, 12, or maybe it's eight to 10 character designs that uh, really were beautiful when Dan Lee put the colors on them and uh, popped and uh, got a lot of attention for the uh, first mini comic, which I sold way more of than I ever thought I would. Or maybe I gave away more than I thought I did, but <laughs> uh, I definitely uh, went through quite a few of them. And uh, so, how did you how did you and Matt meet? Was it just through conventions, or or, or how did you guys start working together? Well, Ulysses Farinas, my partner in Bunya, just said uh, that I might want to introduce myself at Heroes Con to Matt that they had been working on some superhero designs, and and Ulysses has a lot of neat superhero ideas for a. Uh, a connected universe and uh he just said introduce yourself to this guy matt and hit it off and matt said hey i've got some time and looking for he was doing his own books at the time some stuff but he's like i'm I'm looking to do a, a little something and we got 12 pages that turned out really good in fact i didn't think we'd ever really move on with it and then uh we had the luck of uh a uh app that said they wanted to put it out which the app just never ended up getting off the ground but uh at least it helped to finish the book yeah so now we have to do is uh kick the printing awesome so um you make this transition you know you, you have the 12 pages with matt you know you, you have a relationship with brandon um at what point do you have the conversation with, with him about sort of taking over and, and, and continuing the, the heroic view? Well, it was pretty easy. I mean, I, I started thinking that the heroic view was going to be a better setup for the next story, which was a little bit more, as you know, going generational, the, the 60s, 70s style and the heroic view, and then 80s, 90s, and then something a little bit more Legion of superheroes uh, after that. But uh I thought I always loved the Avengers and I always thought they were like the purest form of that 60s, 70s storytelling other than the Fantastic Four, but I think they've been used a, a lot and the Avengers, the basic lineup had been used a lot. So I said, well, that leaves, you know, the kooky quartet or, uh, actually my favorite run was always, uh, Roger Stern and, John Buscema and Tom Palmer's run in, you know, the 2060s through about 300. That was, those were just awesome. I was lucky to grow up in a good, good time for comics, but, uh, you know, I thought the quartet sort of fit it because who doesn't love the underpowered team having to figure it out against, uh, Dr. Doom or Kang or whoever should show up that day. Yeah, I like the, uh, well, it's sort of funny to think of like Scarlet Witch ever being underpowered. You know, that's sort of funny well, now because like how we understand the character. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it, it is pretty, like, I, I think, uh, like, I, and I think that that dynamic is 
sort of at the core of like what makes a good superhero team, right, is always the insurmountable foe, you know, and how are these people going to get to like working together to beat back that foe? Um, that that's that's such a that's such a I don't know it's a timeless tale and it's a good tale when it's told right, you know. Well, it always is the underdog. Rocky uh, yeah. never gets old, no matter how many times they're Rudy or Hoosiers or any of those type of stories. And and the, and the joy of it, seeing them sort of get the crap kicked out of them. Mm-hmm. And then pulling it out in the end. And, uh, you know, so it's sort of based around a lot of like, uh, I know Secret Wars and considered by Jim Shooter. And, and uh, gosh, I, maybe it was Mike Zach did most of it. I know he did all the covers for Secret Wars, but you know, the one where Hulk's holding the whole mountain up. And he says, mm-hmm. you, the only thing that's, you know, stopping this mountain from killing everybody is the Hulk and he's not real happy. <laughs> there's a better story in that one issue than you get in most comics nowadays. And, and they're stuck in a cave together, mm-hmm. but they're beat to hell and they're trying to figure out a problem with the, the tools they got. And, uh, and that's what makes sort of good superhero storytelling that then you can take it to another level from there. I mean, once you establish who this character really is, uh, which is always what's made sort of the Hulk and the cursed heroes, the ones that uh, Batman probably falls to that, the people, something tragic happened to them. So now they're, they're uh, heroes. What, what better way to tell a story than how they really feel and how it actually feels to get uh up the next day with a dislocated collarbone and have to go <laughs> fight Magneto. I mean, there's more story in just those little things and it sort of gets glossed over nowadays. Uh, not on purpose because I think at the big two editorial controls so much, uh, you probably don't get quite as much of what you would get, say in the indie superhero and not that the heroic fuse all this, but it, it, it majors in character development. And then, uh, let the action sort of pull that along. So when you're coming up with the, the characters, uh, is there a time that you get the most chuckle out of sort of the underpowered, you know, skill set they have or sort of coming up with the names? Like, do you ever sit there and you're, you're sketching or you're jotting down ideas and you, you chuckle? You're like, I, I'm going to have a guy who his power is, you know, this. And you're like, that's that's pretty funny. Do you ever make yourself chuckle while you're coming up with some of these underpowered superheroes? Well, these, this whole universe is sort of an amalgam of uh, DC and Marvel. And what I did at one point is I sort of flipped the list of their popular characters and started cross-referencing them and coming up with characters, which is sort of a cheat, I guess. But it was also, like you said, you laugh and say, oh, well, that works, you know. <laughs> you know, and it sort of, it was a smaller list in the end because I, like if it was JLA and Avengers and you all got, you guys remember the amalgam line of mm-hmm. comics DC and Marvel did. And uh, another cheesy but fun thing that sort of fits with what this, uh, universe and books about even though like i said there's stories in it that are probably more more violent and more towards the the dark side uh this story is meant to just be sort of that like if john basimo was uh and roy thomas were still 
and Stanley were still, you know, pushing the the old uh, old school buttons. <laughs> I yeah, I totally see the amalgam, especially in characters like American Agent. Like he feels like the I can't remember what like Captain America, the Superman Captain America amalgamation was. Duh. Yeah, it was it uh, was Superman and Cap. So some, yeah, yeah, something like American. that. But yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I feel like American Agent is very like reminiscent of that like Silver Age like superhero. And then what I love is that like you have Sharpshooter who is like a like 90s McFarlane Liefeld kind of character. Um, <laughs> you can, you can and, thank Matt uh, for a lot of that look. But yeah, that's yeah. exactly what he's supposed to be. Yeah. In a lot and, of ways. and then you have like you have a couple characters like that where they just they all um it's just fun. It's like, I like that you brought up, like, you know, Fife, Fife I can't remember pronounce his last name. Uh, oh, it's Fife. You got Fife, it. yeah. I was pronouncing it right then. Okay, good. Fife's comic has sort of similar stuff where it's like, I'm going to throw this character from this era in, this character from that era in. I kind of like seeing that, like, the mismatch of characters and that sort of, like, it's kind of, I'm guessing, like, if you're, like, an actor, it's sort of, like, putting on the costume or whatever it is, and you can kind of maybe distinguish the characters by look and feel you know that kind of thing uh, um so like sharpshooter will will talk more like uh you know death blow than or something like that you know and uh you know he's sort of and it's sort of based a lot on hawkeye because hawkeye was always ticked off at, uh cap for being <laughs> this stodgy ass you know <laughs> bossing the team around and you know hawkeye from the first time he joined the Avengers thought he should be leading the Avengers. And that was always sort of a great dynamic and Quicksilver was sort of a doofus and always has been sadly, even though I think he's got a lot of, he's had a lot of high moments in comics. They usually leave him on a low point, which has always been my, the only thing in modern comics that's ever really bothered me that the big two has ever done is sometimes they leave a, a character at the bottom of the pool uh, uh -huh. forgetting these are heroes and villains and they should be either left at the height of their villainy or the height of their heroics and, and then move, you know, move on and, uh, or makes it easier to bring them back. But these, these guys that the heroic few are, uh, are amalgams of, uh, characters that I always sort of admired that, uh, through the years, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, Manhunter, Walter, Walt Simonson's Manhunter, uh, an American agent mm. in, in, in the, and, uh, a lot of history. And there's some Indiana Jones in him too. He was sort of a weird one. I didn't necessarily flip the list of the characters as the comics, uh, of a certain era and, uh, sort of trying to mix match, uh, uh, genres. And, uh, as you know, DC and Marvel, uh, through the sixties, seventies, eighties had quite a, a mix of characters, and uh indie being one of the better ones uh, yeah when he oh, was at marvel i had an indie marvel issue hang, hanging up right next to my desk recently I, I switched it out for a beta ray bill issue i just switched it out i'll have to show oh, it to you are, i've got those a pile. Were great. they are great they're so good and that's mike sort of zek um, did a lot of those covers yeah. yeah i don't think i have a mike zek cover but i need to get one one of his one of his covers uh of like an issue of, with one of his covers i mean um, but that that's actually great because like I, I was gonna say like I, across your work there seems to be a love for Indiana Jones because um, your Vampire Hunter book too seems to be like a 
like what if Indiana Jones was a vampire hunter and also on a reality TV show, like that kind of thing. And uh, um, I, I have mad, mad props for anyone who likes to integrate Indiana Jones into their books. So well, that's Indy's awesome. Just the, uh, especially if you're uh, going to have a whip nowadays, it's hard not to be. Uh, and, and Vamp Hunter was uh, definitely influenced by the Indiana Jones and the, and the Castlevania games and stuff like that. And uh, the idea of Croc Hunter meets uh, a reality show. Uh, except they're hunting <laughs> vampires and it was just goofy enough to to uh put out a mini of and and with uh the heroic few uh you know indiana jones when you're when you're going to do anything on uh archaeology which his origins start in 1930s and he's an archaeologist american agent and uh that's how he sort of finds the staff and you know, evolves from there. So, you know, it's just a, a I can't say that Alan Quartermain Jungle Cruise mm -hmm. just did it well. I think that idea of the adventurer in the in the wilds, and I always thought India. And you guys can tell me what you think. Less of a hero, more of just a fly in the ointment. He he's the guy who screws up the the well played well made plans. He's not necessarily the hero of the situation every time, but he just gets in there and bond was always the same way to me when he was written best. He just screws everything up. It's not <laughs> he's that successful of a, an agent or archeologist, but he really dicked it up for the bad guy. So bravo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Indiana Jones is the ultimate action star by far, like the ultimate action hero because of what you said, where it's like, he can cause action and then be the guy who gets like, you know, he can, he can do both where it's like he can cause the action and be sort of the cause of the action, that kind of thing. Like, you know, and he can, he goes throughout that and he's sort of like maneuverable and adaptable and, you know, well, you could imagine being a kid like I was and seeing that first scene, you know, Indiana Jones and Raiders of Lost Ark. And you're like, now oh, this is a damn movie. Even if <laughs> yeah however old I was 10, 12 years old. And, and I felt the same way, you know, my favorite movies as a kid were time bandits and, uh, hell, uh, chariots of fire was by far as a kid, my favorite freaking movie. And, uh, but we had Superman and you had, uh, Indy and you had star Wars and all of these things sort of bought into that David lean principle of big, beautiful filmmaking. And, even back then, if it was a rough little movie like Terminator or Rocky or Scarface, it still had a beauty to it that, uh, that, uh, was encapsulated really. And a lot of it built on modern comic books, which Jack and Ditko and them, you know, they didn't make fun of their characters. <laughs> no, it's uh, it was serious. It was as serious yeah. as any film. It's, and it's, it's always funny to see like, um, like I love like the Walt Simonson Star Wars comics. Like like he sort of like started off with the plot and then was like, and eh, we're gonna go this way." And it like never matched up with the Star Wars movies or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Or um, Jack well, Kirby with two thousand one, and they confused the living you know what out of me as a kid yeah. trying to figure out where did this giant green rabbit come from. And <laughs> you sort of learn to like them, but you're like, huh? Because nobody yeah. explained that to me till I was probably in my twenties. So. You mean those weren't supposed to be? 
So, you know, Dark the Horse, I guess, was when I found out it was, yeah. Yeah. Love that Green Rabbit. So, I don't know if we've ever asked you about this when you've been on your writing process. Do you do full script or you do you do uh, like a Marvel method uh, or maybe? I do an outline. I always outline everything. I outline everything that's going to happen. And then uh, sometimes I'll take that outline and break it into a script. But usually I re, uh, you know, take the outline and just make a script of it, old school comic book way. Uh, if nothing else, I mean, I'm sure there's artists I trust with that, but usually what I'm doing is stuff spaced out over time. And it's just easier to give somebody complete direction than, mm -hmm. than, uh, try to make them guess. So are you, <laughs> you know? pretty detailed in your descriptions then on, uh, in your script or? I mean, no more, no less than I have to be. I don't think, uh, you know, there's. The Alan Moore school where you, you write so damn much that there's no way the artist is going to pay attention to what actually Dave Gibbons does. But, you know, it's you want to write just enough that they can get the point and don't confuse the reader later on kind of thing. So if you can keep it linear and simple, that's great. But if it's something really complex because you're writing something really complex, hell, write till you need to stop. I think that's the difference. If you're doing something like Watchmen, yeah, you're going to need to maybe fill up a, you know, half a page per panel. But if you're doing the heroic few, you can get away with a, a little less. So when you have that outline, are you able to then sort of go, okay, I want to accomplish like something on this page. So I'm looking at this, the outline and like the thing that I have here, this is going to work out to be a page and then this is going to work out to be a page um Not how really. easy to no. sort of, oh, go no, ahead please oh i didn't mean to interrupt you it's just uh usually i work off two off a three act grid uh before i go to the outline you know with your main plots and your subplots and all that stuff so i sort of already have everything break and so each scene is sort of written choreographed to, to break down and and sometimes i could can almost well i can almost always tell it in 12 pages you know even if i have to cut a lot out but it, the key thing is if i got to go longer you know that's i can go longer too but you know how it goes i just sort of break it into three acts and say oh this is page one page two page three and then do you do you ever draw out like the thumbnail because i know that you, you you do like to draw a little bit here and there have you ever done that before like been like yeah i have a hard time you know like you're like you're writing and you're having a hard time describing it so you, you draw it out yourself i've drew you know more on the character design stuff like that mm. but most of these guys that i'm working with they they know far better than i do how to my problem is i would know i'd hate to draw a really boring angle that they would have got better but they're like trying to look at my thumbnail and say oh well he drew this real plain and you don't, I don't want to influence the process at all. Not that they okay. would, but, uh, I think pretty much if they're, you're, I trust them enough to hire them. I trust them enough to interpret the words to far better than I could. And, uh, yeah. I was just reading some invincible, like back of an invincible trade or something like that. And apparently like Robert Kirkman will like step in 
and thumbnail when like like an artist doesn't come back with what he wants or like isn't happy with it or stuff like that so i haven't well, met I've anyone on this. the podcast who does that <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean in comics sometimes it's just good to go with the unless it just screws up the story i mean mm-hmm. uh and readability is probably the number one problem in a lot of comics because you want it to flow like just flow so good that they read it in two minutes and they know what the hell happened and enjoyed what happened uh maybe not two minutes but you know however long it takes but mm-hmm. uh what really ends up happening is uh you get it all laid out just like you want it and you can with thumbnails i think if you're a really good artist and really understand the angle you want thumbnails are definitely the way to go but uh it's the best shorthand of all the shorthands i would say do you ever in your mind when you're when you're scripting out and you have it do you ever um see a panel away and like make a suggestion like you know maybe this is a top-down view because sometimes for me like if i'm very rarely do i call out a camera angle but every once in a while like i'll as i'm going i'll sort of see it and i'll go you know what i'm kind of seeing it as as this but feel free to you know if you think of a better way or you know you think this works out better certainly try that but this is just what i'm seeing in my mind right now do you on occasion call out oh, like yeah, camera definitely. angle yeah I, I would definitely put in a camera angle every now and then when especially when it's sort of uh like you said key to the storytelling if you you want to top down sometimes for effect or or you may be trying to do something that uh you can use later on in the story you know reframe that shot again but no, it's definitely a useful tool. And I know a little about camera angle, but you know, artists, it's a little different. They understand, and you guys both know, I mean, uh, how they want to vary their shots too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how they're comfortable breaking down panels. So try not to, and it is an artist, uh, you know, world in comics. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to get too far in, uh, don't want to get in their way if I can help it. Yeah. So I don't know if this is the case for you, but something that's happened for me recently, and it might be more of the fact that I've been working with, with folks that are, that are not, uh, you know, based in North America. Like uh, I've been sort of using Google images to sort of portray, like this is the sort of the feel that the street might have that the people are walking down, you know, and just a quick Google search, you know, like 70s British street. And then, you know, I'll have all of these things. And then I can sort of say, you know, this is kind of what I like see. So like Google images is something or, or just, you know, oh, with everything like being crazy. on the internet. I yeah. copy and paste the images in there in, in the script because I saw Ron friends. I got a couple scripts from him one year at a convention and uh, he did that so i started doing it and it's great especially if you're doing something it's like a period piece or sure got something funky or you or like a, a boat or a spaceship and you just have an exact look in your head because uh that's how the story is sort of written in this yeah. space so you want to get it right so no there's nothing better than yeah and i try to put the images that correspond with the panel right below it mm-hmm. no it as really an art- made all the difference in the world 
as a, as an artist, picture. is that something that uh, you appreciate, or is that something that you're like, oh, it's uh, too controlling? Uh, what what's your thoughts there? Well, they don't well, always I, have to draw it. Yeah. Oh, were you talking to Noah? I was oh, just sort of, I, I agree with what what yeah what 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 Storm says. Yeah, it's like I think it helps reference wise because it is like uh, you don't want to be Alan Mord right as an artist um because it's like yeah at least for me too someone who has like i have adhd and i can't and if i look at a page with too many words on it i'm gonna have a panic attack and so like uh, and it definitely helps my visual mind to be like this is the setting you know use this as you want to use it or Mm -hmm. even just use this image as a reference for how you're going to draw the background yeah, I really like that. But I guess it varies too because we've had artists on here who are like, no, no, no photo reference. If you do, I'll kill you, that kind of <laughs> stuff. Like that stuff, you know, it's like, it has to, like for a lot of people, it's like, it's got to come from a genuine place. Like you I, I can't have know any... your artist. Yeah, you exactly. Really you got to know who you're working with. If I'm hiring somebody who's done, you know, 10 books, 20, 30 books, but, uh, you know, you can trust them with about anything. Yeah. Yeah. My, my problem is communication. That's the big thing where I like, I need to communicate better to writers and things like that. It's nice working with Matt because he's known me for four plus years and he sort of knows what I like and how I work and everything. But the other people, it's sort of, it, it can be challenging to sort of communicate to them. Like, Hey, this is how I work, especially starting out as a comic book artist. Cause you're kind of like, for me, I'm still, I'm, I'm probably still just starting out. Like, I'll be like, no, I'll be whatever you want me to be, that kind of thing. And it's like, I don't care, you know. Um, You've got a great style. I mean, I really, what I thought you captured more than anything was a little bit of what Eastman and Laird had originally, which was a good looking book, you know, that accomplishes the mission. And uh, you didn't, there wasn't any waste to it. You know, I'm sure there's a lot you would love to have skill wise, but you didn't look through it and say it's missing anything. So that's the best compliment I think you can give anybody. And and I think in the genre you were working, you nailed uh, the aesthetic that most people would want to nail with that type of story. Well, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I wasn't trying to fish for compliments, (laughs) but I'm glad I cast my line out there. That was great. Um, It it was a good book. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say that that's the, I, I bet that's kind of a, uh, I'm not a writer obviously, but I, ha- I have to imagine that that's kind of a, a struggle for both of you guys is to be like making sure that the artist is happy drawing what they're doing, you know? Um, yeah. I, I was always, I always wonder about that. Like, you know, like our, like, you know, trying to find a good working relationship and knowing the artist to know that like, okay, I'm, I'm confident that, they're enjoying this book. And I think that sort of adds to the enjoyment of the book later on, you know? Well, that's it. And Brandon's a big superhero guy. You know how it goes. Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people, you can just, when you go to cons, you just figure out real quick, this guy's a, a sci-fi guy. He'll draw spaceships all day or dinosaurs all day. or And uh, those are the guys you try to get. If, if you're doing a Western, you certainly want somebody who likes drawing horses. Um, yeah and it, it's just all about uh and you guys know it's a job 
in the end, writing comics, a hobby or a job, it's still work, I mm -hmm. guess would be a better way to put it. And uh, the best way to get work done is for somebody to be disciplined and motivated. And uh, I think it always in comics takes those two things together to get a project actually done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, so, you know, when you're uh, what's your process like with with Brandon? Um, I know we talked a little bit, but are are you seeing like pencils and then inks um, and then you're turning it over to the colorist or has it evolved over time where you you guys can make he, he can maybe just like turn it over, say, hey, here's here's the, the completed page like or how's that process work well, for you guys? Usually he'll, he's pretty accurate with my, you know, he'll show me the pencils and uh, usually before he inks them, but, you know, I can't really think of a time where I've said, no, that's not right. Or that's not it, but it's sort of an action story too. So everything's moving at a fast pace and uh, he sort of the really complicated scenes. Uh, I felt like, if nothing else, I told him what was needed in them and why. And uh, once you do that, uh, he seemed to pretty much sail on it. And But he would show me the pages and then show me the inks. And then we'd send them off to Dan Lee for colors. And, you know, I don't say too much to Dan about coloring because he knows a way more than I'll ever know. And I've never been disappointed yet with anything he's shown me. So... Yeah, I was going to ask you about Dan, because Dan definitely has a, I mean, just being because I'm familiar with his work and I've seen his his stuff on other books and things like that. But I was wondering, yeah, were, were you giving him references like, hey, this is the field that we're trying to go for. And then he just sort of obviously not telling him what to do, but just sort of like letting him know, like, this is what we're inspired by, obviously bringing up like, you know, all the comics we've been talking about this in this podcast. Uh, uh, yeah. What, what, what's it like working with Dan? Well, Dan's great because Dan's one of those guys that's, I don't know how much uh, baseball you watch, but he's sort of a five-tool player. He can, uh, in baseball, you know, that's hit, run, play deep. But in comics, you know, that he can design, he can write, he can color, he can pencil, and I guess he can uh, let and letter, you know, he can do all the major stuff. So uh, he just sort of understands color and has his own palette which uh, going back to his book, Everland was real, a beautiful book, uh, a Kickstarter he did. And, and he's working on his chew, chew bots. Uh, and it has a different palette than the heroic few. And he just uh, really can nail a variety of uh, designs and colors. Unlike uh, uh, many other creators, because he can do so much and, I'm sure he wish he could do more. He can, he's got his own YouTube video comics and chill. And, and, uh, I couldn't put together one of those videos to save my life, but it just shows that, you know, he's got the right variety of skills to do about anything in comics. So it's when you find people like that, you trust it's, uh, it's like taking your car to a really good mechanic or something or, or give it the architect must feel when he, you know, he hands it off to the right building crew that, mm -hmm. you know, they, they know what you're doing, but, uh, in a way, Dan and Matt and Brandon did all the, the hard work, you know, they, they create the characters in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, Dan's coloring is just as integral as anything now 
you know, to see them colored a different way would throw me, throw me for a loop. And, uh, <laughs> and Matt did just such a great job of sort of getting what I wanted. They don't look like other people's heroes. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the biggest, when you mentioned names earlier, that's the problem nowadays. Every dang name has been, uh, eaten up now. <laughs> every indie comics guy's doing, you know, I'm like, gosh, are there any names left? That's yeah. the. So we, we've talked about a lot of the, the, the people on the, the creative team, but we haven't, uh, we haven't mentioned lettering the book. Do you, who's, who's handling that? And, um, what's the process there Dan Dan Lee he lettered it oh okay wow so Dan did, did it all and some of the other stuff there's going to be pinups by other people in it Joe Biamen uh did a really neat one uh based on our the heroic fuse version of uh uh the x-men and uh then you got uh so a couple things by Chris Jones is the uh somebody mentioned it on uh your Instagram that Chris yeah they, they saw the, the art and they were like hey that's yeah I saw that yeah and uh, some other people Mike Pizzotto who you, I think you guys have worked with and done some stuff with the real cool guy and uh, some of his stuff is colored by Kelly Latham and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody in there maybe but you know it's just a stuff I'd been putting together because originally it was going to be the heroic few has. Uh, was going to be 12 pages and then 12 pages of almost like an index, like a comic book index. Mm -hmm. And then it just got simpler just to do a comic book. I mean, I wrote all these indexes and origins and stuff, but you know how it goes. That just gives me more back matter for uh, the future. But it, it just sort of a throwback to a lot of stuff that we probably all enjoy, you know, the old Marvel universes, the who's who's and, mm -hmm. and, back when everything was linked to another issue and you had to look it up. So try to get as much old school stuff in there as I could. And, and part of that was Dan's lettering and the coloring, which uh, definitely gives that old school feel. So when you get the lettered pages back, are there ever times where you, now that you see the art and the balloon together, um, you know, you scripted this, you know, years, months ago, but now you're seeing it, you know, complete that the lettering is on there it's all the almost the final stage of production do you take a pass through it to say hey you know i don't actually need all of this stuff here and then you, you know shoot dan a letter and say hey can we change this balloon up no, or I, do you oh yeah I've, I've rewritten a lot it's easy to override on a panel and then uh, i think i think one of the things is it's 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 may not necessarily overwriting, but when you're doing it, when you're scripting at that point in, in the process, it makes sense. But now you have the magic of comics. You have the, the art and the words together. And when that's presented to you visually, then you see it differently. And that's allowing you to, to make that change. Right. Oh, exactly. I mean, like I said, sometimes it's too many words. Sometimes it's the words don't aren't needed anymore. Sometimes it just, needs to be rewritten so much. I mean, once again, uh, that's something Aubrey Sitterson said, and I think Brian K. Vaughn and all of them said is to take that pass, the lettering pass and, uh, and give it one more, uh, rewrite if you can. So 
this book is 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 coming to Kickstarter pretty soon. Um, you know, the last time we talked to you, you were running a Kickstarter, which unfortunately didn't go as as planned. But um, you know, we're, we're coming back here. What are what are some of the the lessons learned, and you know, things that that you're hoping for for this time? Well, for one thing, I understand Kickstarter. When, whenever it doesn't work, everybody tells you what you should have, do, should have done. And it's like everybody waited to the last day uh, <laughs> of the campaign. But now it, it was real simple. I, I usually back friends projects on Kickstarter and, and our page probably could have been more complete with uh, a little more. And hopefully we've done it this time and got everything in there. If not, Hey, we'll learn again and try again. But, uh, We've got other books, Bunyo does coming out this year uh, that we'll announce soon, some neat stuff, and or at least one neat book that, uh, and Light, we would have loved to have done. We already put it out once, which I think worked against it somewhat. Uh, we had sold out. I mean, it had sold out at the distributor level for us within a year and done, been our best-selling book, so we thought it'd be great to get another version out there with some added material. Uh, and we were sort of competing against ourselves because people could buy the book on Amazon, I think, if they, and, uh, or the, a lot of the people who, like you guys, had bought it. And uh, it was just one of those things where it was a great learning experience, if anything else. But I think I, I had a basic misunderstanding of why people and how people shop on Kickstarter. And uh, now that I've educated myself and, a little more and ask some questions and you guys gave some advice you recommended i think the pre-launch to me with the, like a lot of people and uh you get good advice from people who've done it uh and uh just try to execute it to the best of your ability you, you get that big menu of uh, chores <laughs> i hope i hope you come back to that like kickstarter because i was ready to buy another copy i was gonna give my old one to someone else and keep the new one for me. Like I, that was my plan. So I, I, is there a plan to bring that back at some point? Do you think? Well, hopefully, I mean, it's done uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, it just has to go to a printer somewhere, but the price of paper skyrocketed on us the last minute too. Uh, it was just one of those perfect storms where everything in the world that could go wrong sort of went wrong uh, beginning with COVID. And that was sort of the period on it. I, I put out two books during the during the uh, pandemic, and uh, I couldn't tell if that was a good idea or a bad idea. I mean, neither book did badly, but neither book did great. Uh, and so, all you have to do is just go on what you've learned. Uh, you're you're constantly just trying to learn as you go in publishing and and, and comic book creation, and, and hope that you can. A one build an audience. Well, actually, first put out good work that mm -hmm. two builds an audience, and then three uh, that you turn a profit on it. And and we've been very lucky up until the pandemic, uh, very lucky. But you know, losing conventions and uh, uh, a lot of that, and and me losing time from my work because I had covered. You know, just little stuff like that ends up adding up and. Uh, it's like now it's time to use crowdfunding. We paid for, you know, the last five, six books out of our pocket. Uh, and they did good. They turned a profit. And uh, for the most part, 
there was, you know, the outlier. But what you're just trying to do is learn from it. And like we said with the Kickstarter, listen to the people who've done it well and uh, hopefully we'll succeed uh, moving forward. But there's no doubt that the last two years have been tough on most small publishers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see Ad House closing up and, you know, Piao's gone and already and Koyama and, you know, all these ones that everybody acts like uh, they're just kids. Like they've been around 15, 20 years, 25, <laughs> some of them, you know, it's, it's a long haul. We've been around six. So. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you guys are still around and I'm glad that you're still around Storm because, yeah, we, uh, you are an invaluable part of the Constructing Comics family of comic creators. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate y'all. Y'all no have done some good stuff and helped to promote the books and can't ask for anything more from uh, colleagues and friends. You know, comics is a tough business and we're all trying to we're just all trying to get our stuff out there and, and the more we get to do, the better we get. <laughs> so yeah. as we close up here, let's um, let's let no, folks know where they can find you uh, online. And let's also do like one last uh, sort of pitch for the heroic few. And we're going to put a link to the pre-launch page in our show notes to make it as easy as possible. You know, you listen to the podcast, just scroll down, hit that link click that notify me and you'll get an email on the on the launch day but let folks know where they can find you and uh you know tell us a little bit more about this book well you can always find us at bunyo books on instagram a b-u-n-o-b-o-o-k-s or at storm smith uh bunyo uh my name and then b-u-n-o um we are also on twitter at bunyo books at storm smith but like I said, at Bunya Books, uh, B-U-N-O, B-O-O-K-S. And then on the Kickstarter for the Heroic Few, which you guys are attaching the link. Uh, it's all over our Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we've got our Facebook page, of course, Bunya Books. And uh, then our website, BunyaBooks.com, which people can check out and learn more about us. Very cool. Well, uh, Storm, uh, best, of luck, uh, best of luck on this book. You know, we're pretty excited uh, for it. Uh, and, you know, uh, hopefully as things get better here, you know, hopefully we get closer to normal. We, we can all hang out at, at a con safely uh, coming up here pretty soon. Well, that's it. I mean, the, the cons, uh, uh, it's hard to know their future again. So uh, hopefully, uh, like you said, it'll be shortly. Yeah. And we can all get back to, to enjoying con life. One of these days. Yeah, well, I definitely missed uh, Heroes Con this year. That would have been fun. Yeah, I know. missed it the last two years. Yeah, yeah two yeah. years now. Yeah, yeah. It's. Yeah. I, I think when we, you know, fingers crossed, when we get back there next summer, everybody's going to just sort of have the, 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 the three days, four days of just sort of letting loose and really enjoying sort of the art and, 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 you know, being around like-minded people who like to, to make comics is going to sort of be, I think it's going to be pretty epic. Same. Oh, I think so too. Cool. Awesome. So for anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really, 
would appreciate it if you want to follow the podcast we're on twitter it's at construct com pod instagram is constructing comics pod and facebook is constructing comics i'd like to thank everybody for listening please be safe be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics thank you <laughs>